Welcome to another episode of Dumb and Dumbest with Matt Bacon and my beautiful co-host Curtis Dewar. Where the wonderful. house is on fire, everything that is on t- is terrible. Curtis wonderful. Dewar, yeah, he wants it to be known that he's wonderful. I don't think he's wonderful. We're not even really friends. I don't know how he got on this show. I don't know either. <laughs> but anyway, today we're going to talk about something that's very important to me that I think about a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <clears> um, <throat> because it really does. His mom. Jesus. It really did. I was getting in a good Gary V mode and you just shot yeah, all over it. I know. It, it really dictates how I view bands, how labels view bands, how you're going to find out if your band is successful or not. And it's <clears throat> something you're not going to want to hear, but we're going to have to fucking talk about it because we're mm-hmm. trying to bring you extreme value and not blow smoke up your ass. That's right. You know, so that's, what is it, Matt? Anyway, this thing essentially is market need versus market gap yeah and i don't even know if market gap's the right term for it i i might have just come up with that myself maybe i read it in like a marketing textbook i think but, you did because i had no idea what you were talking about at first but what he's talking about is that there's a uh, need for, in the market versus what you think what you want to do basically yes Correct? and no for example the, here's the example i always use i wrote an article about this on medium if you want to look it up and clap or whatever. I don't fully understand how medium pays out yet. Point being, let's say there is no egg salad flavored ice cream. Really? There's no egg salad flavored ice cream, but that also does not mean there should be egg salad flavored ice cream. Correct. Right. And that's sort of how it is with bands is just because someone isn't doing something doesn't mean that that thing needs to be done. Right. Now, reversely, though, at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be a need for a new type of band. He's just saying, if you're looking to get known fairly quickly, you might want to look at what the market needs versus what you want to do. Well, because, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, and this is kind of shady to say, but like, Ultimately, you know, I mean, obviously, genres fall in and out of style yep. all the time, right? Nobody really gave a shit about death metal in 2012. <clears throat> Here we are. Death metal is all that matters. You know, I guarantee you a fair portion of these people who are playing death metal right now were really into like that best metal thing in 2012, which is fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're allowed to have different types of music speak to you at different points in your life. And like, yeah. you know, if that's the music that's trending, then that's where, you know, statistically the greatest, you know, artistic forces are going to be like, you're going to find more great musicians in the popular thing. Yeah. You know, um, just statistically, like you might not like pop music, but like those people can fucking write songs. That's a science behind it to get that many people to enjoy your song. There's those guys in Sweden that just, that's all they do. Yeah. Um, there's one guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's... Yeah, he writes, like, every fucking song in existence, and everybody yeah. goes to him every time they want to sell a million units. Yeah, and, like, at the end of the day, guess what? We're, like, 500 years from now, when none of this matters, and, like, people can name, like, three rock artists, he's going to be one of the rock artists you, people name. Yep. Anyway. I think that if you're a band... <clears throat> here's the other analogy I've been using lately that I've been enjoying. You'll appreciate this one because it's a hippy dippy one. And I know you never oh. shower Curtis. Never. 
Um, Not at all. Probably because I got two kids. (laughs) Basically, in my eyes... I do shower, by the way. And and, and so the market need... Here's where the market need thing comes in again, right? Your band is like a tree in the woods, right? And if you're in the... Like, none of us, no one listening to this podcast has watched a tree grow for its entire life cycle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But we've all seen like a million fucking trees and like you, like, you know, you stand in the woods for five minutes, you're going to be able to be like, okay, well, this is like the end result is like a fucking tree and like a sapling is the beginning and here are the steps in between. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're a band, I think a lot of bands are looking at the fucking tree when they're not looking at like maybe a five-year-old sapling. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and the thing is, if you don't have anyone's footsteps to follow in, then what you are doing becomes infinitely harder. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're a band like, for example, Heavy Temple, mm-hmm. who, who are a fantastic band in a strong tradition of fantastic bands, yep. there is a clear roadmap. Mm-hmm. Right? And, the, and they are going somewhere where there is a market need. They started out the market need as there wasn't like sort of a doomier heavy band, you know, that was really good in Philadelphia, you know, yep. then they brought in other market needs. Cause there's always like all female bands. That's a huge market need, you know, because that's empowering. That's cool. But and, keep in mind, they also had to evolve. Cause my recall yes. is that they actually, they weren't all female until they were not two years ago. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. And important side note is they don't market themselves as all female, right? Like, no, any band who, who sends me an email and says we are a female-fronted doom band immediately gets deleted. Because all my favorite doom bands have female singers. Like, ask, ask how many countries I've been to to see Sub Rosa. But, like, none of, my favorite female, none of my favorite doom bands that have female singers market themselves as such. Now, reversely, can I say, I want to say, I want to point out one thing with this, though. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Call me a sexist if you want. But what I've noticed is anytime there is a female member in the band and you spotlight them in some way, either put them in the front or you mention the fact, the clicks go way fucking up. Yeah. It just does. It just all the time. So people get say that they hate, hate it when people say female fronted, and I understand that. I don't like it either. But when you do it, I'm not joking. The difference is night and day. Like, for example, one time I did a campaign with a band that shall remain nameless. We were getting nowhere until I highlighted the fact they had a female member. Not even fucking joking. Night and day difference in coverage. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It, it's true, and it, it was you know you if you got and they put the female uh, musician out front, boom, it was like night and day. Well, also I'd like to point out that metal dudes have no clue how to market to women, like to an extent that's extremely sad. True, but I mean, at the same time, you know, I, I also had a conversation with a female journalist who also admitted the fact after bitching about the fact that she doesn't like female fronted. And I'd mentioned this fact that if you put the woman out front, boom, you get more, you get more clicks. She said, I got to admit, I, I clicked through to check if the girls any good. So sure. even the women do it, right? Sure, but I think it's, I think it's a different, what I'm saying is I think it's different if, like, I will admit, like, Sabrosa is my favorite modern band. I clicked through to Sabrosa because it said three-part female harmonies and, um, you know, and violence. And I was like, okay, I got to hear that. I clicked through because of the Mormon angle, but that's me. 
sure. But what I'm saying is <clears throat> you clicked through because I wouldn't shut up about them, first of all. No, I heard about Sub Rose even before I met you. I, I, I think I saw them live. No, I didn't see them live. Anyway, we don't need to have this argument. Yes, we do. <laughs> the point being. We like Sub Rosa. I like Sub Rosa, but, you know, they don't have to call it out in text. It's obvious, right? Yeah. I think that's an important distinction. And again, right. th- this is where, this is what we're trying to, this is what we're trying to figure out it, or what we're trying to explain to you, right? Is like, realize where the market need is, realize who you're catering to and then fucking cater to them. So many people will, people, you'd be amazed how many people can identify a need and then don't actually cater to that need. Well, here's another, here's another thing to go along with it, unless I'm mistaken where we're going with this. Sure. Um, an example of, of um, not correctly catering to a market would be, for example, metal bands who aim, who try to uh, get covered only in places like Pitchfork and Stereo Gum. That's yeah. not their audience. Exactly. That's a general rule. You know what I mean? But a lot of, I think there's a lot of bands that are just trying to cater on that market in the left-wing pol- uh, politics type market and try to get in there. I don't think that's a good long-term strategy for them. I just don't. Yeah. Short term, maybe, but I don't think it's going to last. Yeah. I also think it's important to note. It's it's important to note, right. So just because there's a market gap in your favorite type of music, or just because there's a market gap in your favorite type of music does not mean there isn't a market need in a different genre for something like what you're doing. Right. Give an example of that, Matt. Uh, Secret Sisters who are like a heavy bluesy band, right? Okay. Who I feel like if they exist, like they're really, really good, but I feel like if they existed in the stoner rock realm, it'd be a lot yeah. harder to market them than where they do exist in sort of the bluesy NPR intellectual music realm. So you're saying that they could be marketed towards the stoner group if they wanted to be, but you think it's better that they're going towards the other, other areas, what you're saying? Well, yeah, because they've identified... <clears throat> they've identified where they can specifically cater to a need. I mean, yeah. Greta Van Fleet could be in the stoner realm if they wanted to. Totally. But instead, they had the financial backing, you know, and the wherewithal to be able to go tackle a different target market, you mm-hmm. know, being young, attractive people who go to Coachella. <laughs> and I almost spit out, spit out my coffee when you said that. That was funny. But am, am, I, am I wrong? No, you're totally right. It was just the the market you identified is hilarious, like that name, young attractive people that go to the Coachella. It's um, you know, <laughs> it's 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 a market. It exists. It's a, new demogra- it's a new demographic name. I love it. What do you want from me? Anyway, <laughs> th- this is basically what I'm trying to say is that, and this is also like realize that a market need is only so big. This is why some of the stoner stuff is starting to really slow down, you know, because we don't need as many stoner rock bands as we have, regardless of how good they are. That's true. Now, but here's another thing though, at the same time is um, you can still get into that market with, with enough of a push. Very much so. Don't get me wrong. That's a huge market. But, but yeah, especially the stoner stoner doom doom genre seems like to me it seems like that's like a never ending source of being able to 
being able to do well in just because oh, I love they've it. got such rabid fans. They do. Fucking crazy how many rabid fans. But anyways, what I was going to say was um, totally lost my trail of thought because we started talking about that. But anyways, I'll let you keep talking, Matt. Right. Yes. And I think that this is the, this is the final thing to sort of look at when you're trying to identify a market need is you are identifying where there are rabid fans, right? You don't want to identify where there are sort of interested fans. That's yeah. basically useless. You know, nobody's, nobody's getting anywhere because they were sort of interested in your band. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need to be looking at where can I find the most devout fucking maniacs and what genres have the most devout fucking maniacs? This is why Kiss got so successful as a rock band, <clears throat> right? Is because they just had a bunch of crazy people really into Kiss. And they marketed to kids too. A yeah. lot. Hardcore, heavily. They, they were kind of the first rock band to market to kids, which I think yeah. is very important to realize um, yeah. and how... Uh, how they've grown and part of the beauty of marketing to kids, not that you should market to kids, but part of the beauty of what kiss did with marketing to kids is just that they were able to, um, you know, they're able to use that to build lifelong fans because yeah. there's still like dudes in their forties who buy everything kiss does in their sixties for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, and it's not sad. It's just reminds them of, you know, being young and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that I think any, any people like, they they were big well ahead of my time and I I, I think they you're were just like, starting to Huh? And you're like fifty eight. I'm forty one, you dumbass. But anyways That's what uh, I said. Yeah. Okay. Uh but anyways, they they mean they, they they've definitely built lifelong fans by marketing that way. And it was brilliant of Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Yeah. So, you know, realize where fans are hungry for music. Take advantage of that. Because that is key, right? So many people aren't looking where hungry fans are, you know. Well, on, a, on another note, though, you can also be creating that demand yourself by social sure. social media a lot. Not 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 to keep beating a dead horse, but <clears throat> just to rephrase about All Father, who we keep who I keep bringing up. Perfect example of a band creating a demand, right yeah. there. If 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 they can somehow hop onto a decent label and figure out how to tour or something like that. They could be, they could be massive. I don't think they're going to, cause they all work full-time jobs, but I'm just saying if they could figure it out, you know, cause they, their strategy is just fucking impeccable as far as I'm concerned. There you go. This is the sort of thing that you need to be tackling. Yeah. Anyway, this has been a very dense episode packed with information uh, do you have any final points you want to go over before we round this one out? I do, um, just in terms of creating market needs. So can, you got a couple minutes so that way we can discuss? Yes, no, discuss I, always, I always have a couple minutes for the Dumb and Dumbest podcast. Cool. So, here, so, here, so here's a couple things. Like, um, so creating, creating that market need, what would be some things that you would suggest for people to do? Because I can think of a couple of things, but I want to hear your viewpoint before I say anything. Personalized and unique product. Childish Gambino today announced that he is doing a exclusive track two exclusive tracks for people who bought tickets this isn't fucking prince 15 years ago giving everyone 
CDs because they bought a ticket. That's old school. You know, people have been doing that. That's cool. I think that's a good idea, but people have been doing that. This guy is fucking incentive. He's creating market need because the the whole fucking issue all these rappers have is yeah. that there isn't the, like like fucking a rapper with a million SoundCloud or a million um Instagram followers will play the same venue as like Converge or like a hardcore band who yeah. you know I know yeah. and the reason is that hardcore has a history like part of hardcore is going to shows right yeah whereas fucking um rap doesn't have that so childish cambino looked at that and said well i'm only making money on my shows how do i create a need for people to go to my shows fuck it i'll give them new music mm-hmm. that's what he did you know i think if you create unique product that's going to artificially stimulate demand you know okay. and that's the prophecy productions business model like if you're trying to start a cool label and like get traction it's right there. Like prophecy just has the best packaging. So people are really into it. So let's say that you're a band, you've already released your music. It isn't unique, but it's good. So let's say Matt Bacon, that the band comes to you and they said, we want to create a demand for our music. They're a great band. Um, we're not, not going to name any names. Let's say that they're like um, a stoner band, not a very unique genre. What, what would you say would be the first step that they should do to create that demand? Add every single person in that scene on Facebook. And, and then spam them with, with links? No. Oh. Interact with them with meaningful content. And then okay. once you have started to interact with people on Facebook and Instagram, I would use Instagram DMs, which have a very high ROI right now. I would use Instagram DMs. I would figure out some piece of content you could create for other bands that is meaningful and useful. And I would offer it to them for free. Or maybe you don't offer it to other bands. Maybe you all, maybe you hit up. This is a great idea. Fucking vinyl pages, like, like vinyl nerd pages are like the new fucking blogs. So I would just send those guys a message and be like, Hey, this is who I am. Uh, I'm, you know, this is who, what we're doing. Uh, Can we mail you a fucking record? Yeah. Cause those people respond because your email isn't on your fucking Instagram. And so, like, they're not getting a million press people hitting them up. So if you just hit them up and they're like, yo, do you want some free shit? They're going to say yes, and they will post about you. I Instagram. Think, these are I Instagram think, places you're talking I about. I think the right? – yes, I genuinely think the future of music PR yeah. is getting to know Instagram influencers. And I think we're at a very exciting point right now because you can do that on your own. It's sort of like when fucking music blogs were bursting out in, like, 2010, and, like, you could still get a fucking write-up by just sending a nice-looking email. Yeah. Same thing. Right? Yeah. Like you can't do your own PR as a band anymore. You literally can't. Nope. You know, like Very maybe difficult. like if you're boys with me, like I'll give you a fucking metal injection stream because you're my boy. But like <laughs> you're not getting <clears throat> you're not getting fucking 10, 20, 30 results. You're getting like a metal <laughs> injection stream. Maybe I introduce you to Vince Bellino if we're like tight and you get in. Then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I'm not, you know, I, I like literally, if you push me beyond that, I will send you to Curtis and make you pay Curtis. And I'm, I'm happy to take your money if you're good, but if you suck, I'm not going to take you, obviously. You know, but you create market need by interacting with your community, by, make, by making people realize who you are. And when you're a small band, the only way people realize who you are is by interacting with them one-on-one. Yeah. 
I agree. And now, so many people are like, oh, well, how about like we get like 50 people at a time? That doesn't fucking work. What do you mean get 50 people at a time? Like, like someone would be like, oh, well, maybe we could like figure out a way to like make that more efficient. Oh, yeah. I see. And it yeah. doesn't get more efficient. It's one-on-one, on-one-on-one. And you have to be consistent. That's the key point. If you're just doing stuff like this once a week, nothing's going to happen. That's exactly. You got to interact every day. You got to do it all the time. And it's a lot of work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, then you might as well not even bother. Exactly. Because you can create the product of the music and you can have this amazing and awesome product. Like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or last week or whatever, about all these bands that they'll make these amazing albums, spend 20 G's and then do nothing afterwards, promote it, won't share any links, won't even contact anyone and just let it die. Stupidity. One of the things I have been most, I've been pushing hardest lately yeah. has been, um, one of the things I've been pushing hardest lately with my bands is I have them list 10 to 20 bands in their local scene they want to communicate with. That's a good idea. And it's been immensely helpful. Sounds like someone's been reading .com secrets by Russell Brunson. Why, yes, Curtis, I have. Wow. If you, too, would like to find out about .com secrets... (laughs) Matt has an affiliate link. No, just kidding. (laughs) We should get an affiliate link for like. I actually, I actually do have one. I signed up for ClickFunnels a few months ago, so if I ever wanted to do that, I could actually do it, be an affiliate for it. How do you? Boom. Any, anyway, Curtis has no friends. Is what he's really trying to say with this. No, what I'm trying to say is I haven't had the time to even be pushing the book. But anyway, just as a quick commercial on that book, a lot of the ideas that Matt has been trying to forward lately, he are directly lifted from that book. It's not a criticism of Matt. Just saying. It would be very smart if you were listening to this podcast and you have any interest in marketing, which I'm assuming you do, to pick that book up. It is a phenomenal book. I've read it probably two or three times. Matt's, I think, on the first time through it. And uh, I highly recommend that book. Yeah, it's it's a banger. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not just about, and it's not just dot-com secrets. It actually tells you how to do a whole marketing campaign from start to finish whether you're doing it online or offline so and you can buy it for free online too it's like including shipping i think it's like eight bucks or something in the united states yeah so essential reading anyway i think we've kind of started to hit our time here curtis i don't want to listeners what do you have to plug mr doer all Father releases tomorrow so does flummox both are excellent bands flummox is kind of like mr bungle just for the record, um, tomorrow is today. When you are listening, oh, All Father yeah. is out on Friday the 7th, I think. Good point. So Friday, September 7th, I'll clarify that. Uh, Flummox today. is out Flummox is out tomorrow. Or sorry, Flummox is out on Friday, September 7th, assuming this is today. Uh, it's a great album. Very Kind of like Mr. Bungle. If you don't like Mr. Bungle, you won't like, like them, but it's very, very, very fucking cool. Weird, but cool. And then All Father's coming out with their new album today uh friday september 7th keep wanting to say tomorrow and it's good matt streamed the metal injection so he can vouch for them and uh they've already just on pre-orders sold 80 something cds as of this morning that's better than a lot of major labels do 
yeah. with CD pre-sales. That is not a joke. Yeah, and these guys are independent. Just want to just want to make sure everybody realizes this is an independent band of guys that are on their second album. Second. Second. Yes. Yeah. Second. I'm just trying to remember because I think they had two EPs before. They had. They had. Uh, don't quote me on that. It might be one only one EP. I'm going blank right now. Sorry, Tom, if you're listening to this. But anyways, um, they're an independent band. They last time we didn't get them into major major places like we did this time. But I mean, like. 80 CDs the day before your release is pretty damn good for an independent band. 80 CDs. That's not including digital copies. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how many digital copies they have, but, but Tom told me this morning that they had more CD sales than digital. That's also impressive because nowadays it's usually more digital sales than physical copies that you get. Yeah. And what I would point out too, is that with 80 CD sales, if they're selling them at like 10 pounds a clip, that's like 1200 bucks. That basically pays for all their like, the PR and CD costs already with some money going paying back the fucking studio time. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they got pretty much all their costs. Co- I, pr- I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that they've now got their costs covered and they haven't even played their show yet. Their uh, release show. So I'm assuming after their release show hits, they'll sell a whole bunch of shirts. Yeah. Because obviously a lot of people like, like if, if my friend is, if my friend is putting out their record, I don't buy it online. I'll buy it from them at a release show. Exactly. So they'll probably get another 50 sales. I'm guessing at the release show, and you know, I, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll be making a profit after all is said and done. They might want to correct me on that later. I don't know, but as far as I'm concerned, what they've done is a big success. And again, you should follow them on Twitter just to see what they're doing to do that. That's good. Exactly. That's my plug. Flummox and all father, all father. Perfect. There we go. Anyway. Um, I want to just talk about something really fast tied into what we were talking about with market need and market gaps. One thing a lot of people hit me up for is to pitch them to record labels. That's not something I can do professionally or ethically, even if I know all those people. That's Mm -hmm. dumb. What I can do for you, though, is set you up to be in a position to sign to a record label in terms of making your shit look good, giving you ideas that your marketing setup is, you know, cool and not a bunch of fucking horse shit. That's what we can do for you. It's like 700 bucks or something if you register with mentioning this podcast. But there's no guarantee that you'll get signed just as a... There's no guarantee you'll get signed, but you're going to look more professional. It will get you better shows. It will get you taken more seriously by labels. It will give you a more clear direction for your band. There's a ton of deliverables that brings you huge value. Have you had any success stories, Matt? Had quite a few success stories. Let's mention Um, a success story. I've actually only been... (laughs) It's funny because I've actually only been doing this campaign since um, May, uh, I believe May, maybe April. The first band, I don't want to name it, but they did get an offer from the label they wanted to get an offer from. Um, It's not announced yet, but I can tell you that the the first band who did it has already gotten an offer, and it's pretty cool. you also had another one last year that did something similar and got an offer right away. Uh, who? Plow. Oh, yes, Mr. Plow. Yes, Mr. Plow is another one who yeah. right away, you know, we got their shit together, got them a clear plan, bam, signed to Ripple Music. That these was like two are weeks in. Yeah, these things are possible. You just need to fucking get your shit straight. Anyway, yep. this has been another episode of Dumb and Dumbest where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. Are we done yet? Jesus fucking Christ.